0: Hello everyone! Welcome to another episode of the Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight, episode 38, What Not to Take in the Woods. So, very quickly, I'm going to mention, and I think Ben has his own little spiel he wants to say on this too, because we were both uh, talking, this is this is an interesting topic, we think anyway. And for me, uh, when I was chatting to Ben, we were just kind of bouncing ideas off it, I kind of realized that a lot of this is going to be opinionated. So when I say something I wouldn't bring into the woods, I'm going to back it with my opinion on why I would not bring it into the woods. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a complete write-off. It's just why I myself would not bring that in and my methodology behind why I would not bring that in, if that makes any kind of sense. What about you, Ben? Uh,
1: Kind of similar. Uh, The big thing I want to really push is just because it's something that we think you probably shouldn't take into the woods, if it's all you have, and it's still getting you out there, then I can't say don't take it. But I say, think about what we're saying as when you go to improve your gear or start changing things, you'll think about this and say, maybe I won't take this anymore, or maybe I have something that's better suited. So, I mean, it's it's a very broad topic. Uh, and and I, I guess we should just say what the topic is. What not to take into words. Uh And it covers a lot of aspects. And I think we both have a bunch of things we want to talk about. We're not really sure what each of us have on that, this list. I'm sure there's some similarities, and I'm sure there's some differences, but uh, and I know there's a couple that we we, we do disagree with. Uh, that'll be kind of an interesting thing, and I have some caveats to, to even some of the things that I disagree with you on, but still think uh, you're not completely wrong. <laughs>
0: And that's the thing. Like I said, it's very opinionated. Just because I wouldn't bring it into the woods, that doesn't mean that somebody else wouldn't. It's just, no. you know, for whatever reason, I've decided it's not for me in the woods. And like you said very clearly, if it if it's all you got and it gets you into the woods, then it's still great to take in the woods. Yeah. So do you want to kick us off there, Ben? I am still throwing the links up, so hopefully we get some people coming in to us.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess... What I would, I'd like to start off with is a couple of very big generalities. Um, the first thing is you don't want to take excessive amounts of anything in the woods. And an idea here is, and I went through this this summer, I went to the store, I wanted to take Flido. flight I'm only going for two or three days. You can buy a big can, aerosol style can. It's big, it's bulky, it's heavy, uh, and it's way more than you're ever going to use in two or three days. I ended up taking a much smaller container that was appropriate for two to three days. This means I'm not taking a ton of stuff in with me. The sad part, and the part that my wife quite quickly pointed out to me, is the price of the small container and the big container is almost the same. It's cheaper to buy in bulk, yes. It's not always practical to take a large, bulky item. So this goes with a, a ton of things, anything you're taking, if you can decant it into a smaller container or a more, I want to use the word, appropriate size container, that's what you should do. If it's something that can't be made into a more appropriate, you can't divide down, then you should look to buy a smaller one. An example of that might be toothpaste. You could take a large toothpaste thing that would do you maybe a month, or you could take a little tiny travel size one that's designed to last you two to three days. So yeah, to, to kind of sum that one up, and it's it's not quite a specific item, but how to take any particular item, take what you expect to need for the time you're there and maybe a tiny bit extra. Uh, I think an extra day or 10% is is a good number to sort of throw in there.
0: Yeah, and that makes total sense. I couldn't agree more. And it actually was one I had further down on my list was don't take excessive of anything. If you don't need yeah. it, it's just bulk and weight. Yes, and
1: that's a very general thing because it kind of captures into everything we talk about. Uh, and excess of – this could be in either volume or size. I uh, Don't take a 12-inch frying pan where a 6-inch one would do. It's just doesn't make sense. Um, so – I don't know. Would you have much to add to that? If not, we
0: can that. You know what? That, I, I can't add anything insightful to it, so I think it's probably okay. Uh, the only thing I'll say, just because he's probably not going to stick around for too long, uh, we do have Jeremy with us. So he's tuning in from his phone in the rain in the woods. Uh, <laughs> but he said he may drop out at any time. Uh, and, of course, we have Chris and Gary on here with us. Chris has been with us pretty much since day one, I think. And Gary, he's a frequent... Uh, stop in as well and uh there has been adventures in the past with them so just like to say hello to both oh sorry all three of those gentlemen there and thank you for joining us of okay. course uh, really stoking my wood stove now only take what you intend on needing so yeah that was uh jeremy so yeah and that's basically what we just talked about jeremy is only take what you need don't take stuff uh, in excess so uh ben gave the example of fly dope um uh, even cooking things You don't need an entire shaker of pepper if you can, like, scale it to some degree for what you're going to need. Your spices, your food, pretty much anything, honestly. If you can scale it down, it's the best way to take it. Um, So the one that I have right on the top of my list, uh, and you and I talked about this, and I know you have some words on this, is a bad backpack. So I'm not going to steal the words out of your mouth because you are a lot more knowledgeable when it comes to packs, but that's the one I happen to have on the top of mind. So why I'm going to let you talk a little bit on it first, and then I'll bounce my opinions off it. Cause you actually do have a lot more experience with this. Yeah. Well, and, and this comes
1: to what I've originally said, like if it's all you got, yes, take it. Cause that's what you have and it, and it works, but an improper backpack and, and I'll use a school backpack, for example, without, you know, hip supports, without proper, you know, a a sternum strap, uh, it's going to wear you out quicker and it can potentially eventually cause injury. Uh, So you really want to make sure that the pack fits, that it carries the load correctly, it distributes it to your body well because we are oftentimes talking, I mean, I think everyone out there has this goal to reach, I think the ultralight is 15 pounds. Something like that, yeah. A lot of us, and that's before food, before consumables. But still, most ultralight campers are trying to aim for a sub-20-pound pack. Uh, My pack oftentimes sits much closer to the 40 to (laughs) 50-pound.
0: 50 for me, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, So if you're carrying 50 pounds of gear, and and a lot of this is because of what we're doing. Uh, We are reviewing gear. We are trying to video it to we are doing stuff. so we often take stuff that we probably don't need to and then when you're doing that that extra that a better pack is so much more important but in in the end getting a it doesn't have to be an expensive pack but getting a good pack that fits you well and carries the load correctly is a lifesaver in the woods it really is um
0: and not only is it a big a lifesaver so to speak it's going to make your time enjoyable because if you're oh, yeah. always shifting your pack, which uh, you used the example of a school backpack, which is exactly what I started with. It was literally my high school backpack. Uh, and it had a sternum strap. It had a waist strap. But it's still not a good backpack for the woods. It's not designed for that. It doesn't have any stiffer back support. The pockets are just kind of like one big one, maybe a small one on the front, a couple water bottle pockets. So everything's getting mixed in together. With a good backpack to go into the woods, it's just going to make your experience that much better. And once you have experienced a better backpack, you wonder why you ever went in with anything else. Like you you don't even think about taking it. I go in hunting sometimes and I look at my school backpack and I'm just like, no. And all I'm gonna be taking in is maybe a little water, some snacks, maybe my alcohol or uh my butane stove to make a cup of tea. Like I'm taking very minimal equipment and I still won't grab that backpack just because I know a good backpack is gonna sit on me properly. I can strap it down properly and I can carry it on my back for extended periods of time without any real fatigue other than, you know, the weight and stuff like that. The backpack's not going to add any additional fatiguing in there.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. so I agree 100%. A good pack that's properly fitted uh, is, is a must. So what we're saying is don't just take any old pack that kind of fits, kind of holds the gear not securing it right, it's flopping around. Uh, it's just not worth taking in a lot. Unless of ways.
0: it's all you have, which we have mentioned several times.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the three items that you really should spend money on. If you if you got to spend money on, uh, your, your your pack is definitely one of them. I think the other two are generally considered your shelter and your sleeping bag.
0: Yeah, I would agree hundred percent. Those are your three big yeah. ticket items. Outside of that. You can go with
1: much cheaper gear and still be very very comfortable, but those three pieces of gear make make the difference uh, for a trip. Um, so going from that, uh, I guess I, I think I'd like to talk a bit about clothing. Uh, I know that this is a spot that we have a few few things to talk about, but uh, let's start with excessive clothing. You only really need to. T- I think you should have a change of clothing. So what you wear in a change of clothing. And then usually I have something for the night. So it's kind of two changes. You don't need four changes mm-hmm. of clothes. You don't need a whole bunch of things. Um, and also, you're better off with clothing that kind of allows lends itself to layering. So one big heavy piece of clothing, especially something that's prone to soaking up a lot of moisture and not, not, not easily being able to dry and this is kind of where we're going to come into the touchy subject, uh, is not what you want. You so don't take, for example, I know this is one that gets beat up on the It's one on kind of a little discreet. don't, they say, don't take heavy jeans. Uh, and I know you, you're you're a proponent of that. You you disbelieve in jeans in the woods.
0: It's not that I disbelieve in jeans in the woods. Like I said, if it's all you got, it's better than those nylon short pants or whatever the heck you got that zip off and stuff like that. Like they're scalable. They're better than some things, but they're not ideal. Uh, actually, I told you I don't even own a pair of jeans at this point. Yeah. Uh, but. I'm not a fan of jeans for multiple reasons. And the big one I told you about was uh the weave that's in jeans, uh especially when it's hot and humid, more so when it's hot and humid. They collect the dead skin off your legs, thighs, things like that, mixed with your sweat, and they almost make kind of a interior layer on jeans because it's it, they don't breathe as well as you think they do once they start clogging with oil and skin. And it actually adds a lot of uh vulnerability to getting chafing and sores and rashes. Like uh you and I had the discussion with, I always used to wear jeans under my chaps and I was using the chainsaw and numerous times I would break out in rashes, chafes, sores, things like that. Or just when I was fighting fires with natural resources, I'd have jeans on under my fire coveralls and running around the woods all day, kind of moist and wet from the fire hoses and stuff like that. You come back, you'd be chafed to snot and things like that. And I always just attributed it to the moisture and stuff like that, not the pants I was wearing. And then somebody was like, "Hey, no, you should try, you know, X material and see how that goes." And that made me a believer. From then on, yeah. when I went and fought fires, jeans were left home, and that just slowly rolled over to going into the woods. I, I generally don't take jeans. They don't um, your typical Levi jeans is what I'm talking about as well. They they give the illusion of a lot of thermal protection, but they really don't, especially as they get damp in any way, shape, or form. Uh, now, thicker jeans, like you can get a thicker material jeans. They're actually not too bad. But anyway, once again, my sole opinion on them.
1: I recently bought some uh, line jeans, BC clothing from Costco. And I actually say I must say I, I do like them. But I have experienced uh, the jean chafe. Uh, I, I worked uh, a job clearing brush on the side of a road one time. And the inside of my legs chafed through the jeans. My legs turned bright red on the inside of my thighs, and uh, I think it was one of the most miserable times of my life. Uh, so, yes, when they get wet, they do hold their moisture. It takes a long time to dry out jeans. If you get into colder weather, that can sap your energy. It's harder to move in jeans, but it's sucking heat out of you. So there's definitely a danger level to wearing jeans. There is a statement that jeans kill in the woods, and, and they can. If you don't know what you're doing, and you, you put yourself in a bad situation, but they are generally a, a thicker, heavier material than most pants, and will give you a bit more protection against thorny bushes, uh, small sharp sticks. It's not going to stop larger, sharper items, but it, bramble and stuff like that. It's going to give you a bit more protection. So,
0: and that is re- the big draw to jeans is they're 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 fairly tough. They're rugged. You know what I mean. Yeah. So, there's a bit of a debate there, but in the,
1: in the end, uh, if you think about it, there are better better choices out there. If that's all you have and you're going to go out there, be aware of the issues uh, and be prepared to deal with them. And if you, you have that preparedness, you can get away with it, but there are better products out there. Our search and rescue group will not let you go, for example, in the woods in jeans. Hmm. If they see you in jeans, they send you home. Uh, there is a reason for that. It's not invalid. I just don't always agree with the whole theory behind it. So, yeah. Um, so we talked a bit about that. Like, that's a type of, of clothing. But in general, I, I did mention there big, heavy items. Uh, for example, if you have a three-in-one jacket, that allows for a layering and so you can have, have like heavy, thinner, you know, sometimes an inner and outer and a, and, and a, a center piece in some types of clothing. Stuff like that is better than an all in one, uh, heavy jacket. If you're in the woods, say in the winter and a very heavy jacket and you're working, you're down to two options. You have the heavy jacket on and sweat or no jacket and freeze. Uh, so you would want to avoid that type. You want to make sure that the clothing you take is appropriate for the conditions you expect, and 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 then some. So uh, does that cover what not to take?
0: Um, I'm just going to add on to it a little bit more. I've been reading the comments here. You can see me snicker a little bit, and I've just been laughing at Jeremy. Uh, so on the backpack one, he was talking about he has to lug around ten pounds of craft beer and camera gear which I agree with, I'm not so much on the beer, that's kind of his stick, and it's cool, I watch his videos just to see what he's drinking sometimes, but the camera gear, 100% agree, like it's all additional wick pack comes in. Uh, And he made another good point, which I was going to bring up on the clothing thing, but seeing he said it, I'm going to give credit to Jeremy, is wool. Wool is a great material to take in the woods, because it's a little warmer in the summer, because it is heavy, but It'll also protect you a little bit too. Like if you think about people that are in deserts and stuff like that, wool's still fairly popular there because it just kind of traps your own body heat to you and you regulate your temperature by just not exerting yourself as much. So you kind of trap that air bubble around you and keep the hot air out, your air in. And in the winter, it's the same thing. It keeps your air in cold air out and it still retains something like 70% of its thermal properties, even when it's damp. So wool heard- is good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's, I just want to give credit to them. But on clothing uh, in excess, like we were saying, this is a, <laughs> we're going to get the weird and wonderful gross stuff now. So with excess clothing, um, especially backpackers, hikers, stuff like that, it's all about weight, pounds, bulk. So even with that, uh, hey, Christopher, um, take that even when you're going bushcrafting and stuff like that. You don't need, if you're going in for seven days, let's say, Having seven fresh, clean pairs of pants is great, but you don't need seven fresh, clean pairs of pants. The reality is you probably only need two pair of pants, uh, and if you're out there for seven days and the weather is good, you could potentially hand wash a pair and dry it and keep the other pair on if you are a stickler on stuff like that. Myself, uh, if I'm in the woods, I, and like I said, this is where it's going to get quote unquote maybe not so friendly, but I can wear a pair of pants for maybe two, three days, uh, I do stick to clean socks and underwear. I am a sticker on that, but I do know a lot of people that hike, uh, like the Annapolis Mountains and things like that. They'll take one pair of underwear for two days and they literally do the old flip it inside out and use it. And that's just to cut down and try to stay to that ultra light thing. Um, I personally like fresh pair of underwear every day and a fresh pair of socks every day. That's me. I'm going to take the extra weight because I just like climbing into those things clean, especially if I'm sleeping in my sleeping bag and I don't have like a thermal layer or something like that to, you know, separate me from it. I feel like I can get cleaned up at any water source and at least put fresh socks, underwear and like uh, I wear undershirts and things like that and crawl into my sleeping bag and I feel at least cleaner, not so grimy getting in a lot of people jump into their sleeping bag just wearing the clothes they're wearing, and that's another thing I can't do because I feel like it just absolutely makes my sleeping bag disgusting. Now, that being said, in colder weather, I generally do. I'll take another pair of clothes, this would be my third one, for sleeping in, which is not only my base layer of thermals and socks, uh, it might be like a pair of jogging pants with um, smaller cuffs at the ankles, uh, my undershirt, which would be under my thermal layer and then maybe a sweater or something like that but it's just exclusively for sleeping in I don't take it to run around for the day or something like that so that might be a little added clothing but I don't take a pair of pants for every day I don't take a shirt for every day Uh, I take fresh socks underwear Uh, generally I allow up to three days for a pair of pants Um, and then after that I'll throw a second pair in And depending on the time of year, that's when I start thinking that I will start washing clothes by hand. Because if it's in the summer, not a problem. Wash them by hand, give them a quick, you know, scrub out in a brook, whatever, hang them up. They should be dry by the end of day three. You know what I mean? Now, in the winter, not such a reality. And I would probably tweak my stuff there. But at the same time, hopefully in the winter, you're not yourself getting as dirty. Because hopefully you're not working hard enough to make yourself sweat. You know the old saying, you sweat, you die? Well, you, that kind of comes into play too. And there was another follower that coined that. And hopefully we don't get tagged for that. But anyway, um, it's real though. You know what I mean? If you sweat excessively in the winter, uh, because you have too many clothes on, you didn't layer, you get hot, you stop. And then all of a sudden you start freezing and you can't get yourself warmed up after that. So that's something to keep in mind with excess of clothing too. The other good thing about clothing going in is you can like, as you're layering it up to walk in, you that can be some of your usable clothes as well it doesn't actually have to be in your pack so in walking in if i know i'm not going to be trudging heavily i may be wearing my thermal layer you know what i mean so my two cents on clothing i I do very similar
1: uh i i I must agree i I try to keep a a clean set for night Uh, i try to keep a spare set for the for during the day that's usually what i and what i have on me so that's my sort of my three total sets. There's a spare a change in case I need it, in case what I'm wearing gets wet and too dirty, that I can't continue to wear it. And I have a fresh set that's only for at night. And really, if I'm going to be out multiple nights, I'll probably will try to wash what I can when I'm in there. Uh, fresh socks and underwear, that's relatively essential. Uh, again, if I was going for a long, long trip, I probably would try to wash some of it. Even if it was in the winter and trying to dry it near the fire, it, it's going to be some effort. It may not smell the best. It could be smoky. It's not going to be as clean as as ideal, but it's cleaner than it was.
0: Depending on what and you're burning, smoke is a natural bug repellent. Yeah. So so there is that. So, yeah, we've
1: kind of covered clothing here. Like I said, you want to stay away from uh, things that don't breathe, that, that will retain moisture, that are... are not going to allow you to adjust easily um, to the conditions you're going to. Uh, so that's what you want to avoid. You don't want to carry a ton of gear that you have clothing. And I think this kind of says something that I kind of wanted to state. Only take what you actually expect to use. The only exception to that one rule is your first aid kit. Never expect to use your first aid kit, but take it because you may need it. Everything else you take should really have a plan when when you go to leave your house with your gear packed and everything in you should and I'm horrible for this I'm not very good at it uh, but I try is try to plan what you're gonna do when you're gonna do it and what you're gonna need if you've planned that way you're not going to take things you don't need and don't want so if you're thinking about it and say, I may possibly kind of need this, probably don't leave it. Like that's, that's the thing. If you, if you're not a hundred percent sure you need it, you probably don't need it. Except as I said, and I can't emphasize this enough, what goes in your first aid kit for medical emergencies that you, you cannot plan that. Oh, I probably won't cut myself or I probably won't burn myself because these things could happen. And, uh, Jeremy can attest that I will definitely be adding a burn appointment in my first aid kit.
0: <laughs> you know what? Those little things are burn gel. They are nice to have. Uh, there's two points that came up. I'm going to read them off, and I'd like to get your two cents on them, Ben. So Nick uh, said he's always heard the cotton kills. And Jeremy said, socks, 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 always have extra socks.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so let's cotton
1: go. Cotton right into jeans. Jeans are cotton.
0: Yeah. And yeah, so with cotton kills, uh, depending on the time of year, yes, no. In the winter, I tend to avoid it more because it does, it's a wicking material. It's a, an organic wicking material. It's going to pull your sweat off. As it's pulling the sweat from your body, we cool ourselves by evaporation and perspiration. So it's aiding that. So yeah, it kind of does screw you over there. Um, in the summer, I like having a cotton bandana because, once again, it holds the sweat from coming into my eyes and it wicks it away and evaporates it nice. So it can kind of be used to your advantage there. And on the socks thing, I agree. I always have, like, I always pack enough underwear and socks for what I need, plus Uh plus one pair on the underwear because, yeah, you never know. And probably two to three extra pair of socks, especially in the colder weather because, once again, you don't know what you're going to need once you get to sleep. And cold feet are... Uh, the five S's Christopher. Um, expect, oh, okay. Uh, I expect to use my first aid kit. Sorry. A couple comments came up and I thought they're something else, but yeah, so that, that's kind of my two cents on those two subjects. So
1: yeah, with the I, I have a bit of military background, maybe not as many as, as much as many. In fact, definitely not as much as, as many, but the one thing I did learn in my time and there is your feet, are in a lot of ways your life and if you don't take care of your feet they can't take care of you and keeping your feet clean and dry increases the ability to get in and out of the woods immensely Uh, i have experienced more so with people that have been with me than myself i haven't had a huge chafing problem but if you get chafed and and sore feet in the woods it is a miserable time and it makes it miserable for everyone around you because they have to try and help you and it makes it very difficult and I'm not blaming people when it happens, but things like that, proper foot care is important. Uh One of the things, you know, if you think you may potentially have foot problems, having the, the right first aid kits, things like powders and that can help. Clean socks, keeping your footwear dry. And I think that's maybe we should talk about a bit now, is footwear. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I've got a note here on footwear. Where was it? Yeah appropriate footwear uh, and this is a statement I've heard from people sometimes I, I tend to wear a fairly rugged boot most of the time so I'm always more or less ready to go somewhere someone says let's do this I'm never going to look and say oh I, I don't have the right footwear sorry I can't can't do that but many people do my, my wife has pointed out quite routinely there are a lot of guys that have very specialty footwear they like to wear the wingtips or whatever it is I, I don't understand but yeah if you're going in the woods make sure what you're wearing is appropriate for what you expect to be doing it does vary if you're going in a canoe and i'm in a canoe i i have water shoes or or even a croc sometimes Mm -hmm. i I know that sounds horrible in the woods but they're easy on and off they dry real quick and they're super light
0: but see, you're Uh, not in the woods with those you just said you're using them in the boots or sorry in the boat not the boots uh i assume you don't walk through like even once you get to where you're going with the boat, you wouldn't wear something in like a set of Crocs into the woods to continue your day. Would you bring another set of footwear?
1: Yes. Now we we take our hikers. We usually keep them in a, in a dry bag in the boat. So when you get to shore, you can jump out with the boots. You don't mind getting wet. It's these Crocs that are going to dry in a second anyways. And, or my water boots, shoes, whatever I have. And I get out, I get the canoe up and at, and one of the first things I'll do is get my, my wet footwear off, get my feet nice and dry and put them in my hikers, put everything else away, and then I'll do my portage or get to my camp or whatever. But it's very important to me to make sure that I have the right footwear to protect myself. You know, you're getting in the water, you don't know what you're going to step in, so I don't like to be barefoot. Uh, but I do know that I don't want my hiking boots wet. That's that's a uh, recipe for disaster. Uh, and even though they're somewhat waterproof, if you go up to your knees, they're gonna get wet.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher made the comment: "Don't wear new shoes in the bush." Uh, my two cents is the only place that sneakers are actually made for is the gym or a soccer field. I don't <laughs> want to see them anywhere else. I come from an industry where we like you live in boots. Uh, yeah. good boots with ankle support, uh, steel toe, not steel toe, not so big on, depends what you're doing. If you're doing a lot of climbing, I would recommend against the steel toe because you'll get a toe chafe where the cap comes back and chafes the top of your toes. Uh, if you're going to be doing a lot of flat walking or trail walking, I tend to like the steel toes just because I'm a little flat footed and my feet drag sometimes. But, uh, I, I am not a big believer in sneakers period. I won't go in the woods with sneakers. I don't. I hardly leave my house in my sneakers. Uh, right, the last two weeks, it's been about the the opposite of that because I just bought a brand new pair of boots and I'm trying to break them in. So I need a little relief in there because I'm one of those, like I have an eight inch boot. It's full, uh, no metal, but 100% steel toe, uh, well, not steel toe, but composite toe, composite shank, whatever that it has to be because I can't have metal in my workplace. But anyway, that's the only time I even dug my sneakers out. Sneakers do me... About two weeks of a wore them every day, I can usually get two years of them because it takes me that long to actually wear them for two weeks, if that makes any kind of sense.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm, I'm somewhat similar into, into that. So, yeah, uh, don't take inappropriate footwear. Uh, I, and I think when I put my Twitter, I actually showed a set of high-heeled hikers is what it came up as, as a bit of a, a joke. Uh, I don't believe in, in something with a high heel, something that's fashionable. No. over function in the woods, uh, and, and that goes with a lot of stuff. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. Now, some functional gear looks awesome. Don't get me wrong. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's bad either. No. But you want to make sure what you're taking is a good functional piece of gear. If it's not a functional piece of gear, you probably don't want to be taken in for a one to two or even a especially a longer hike, hike or trip. Uh, it needs to be durable enough to survive. It needs to be able to protect you in the environment it's going to protect you in. Uh, so that means resisting moisture if you're walking through mud and small streams. It needs to be able to provide that, that ankle support. So, like you said, don't bring, don't bring tennis shoes. It's not meant to be out there. Uh, I have and, and this is kind of a bit of an exception. Some people are not overly comfortable in bigger boots. Some people have what they call camp shoes. So when you get into camp and you're set up, they may have a lighter, more comfortable piece of, of footwear that they switch out on. That, that's that's fine. That's acceptable if you want, me. If you want to take two pairs of footwear, the second pair of footwear should be something that's really light and, and easier to pack away. It's not going to... And comfortable. Uh, it, comfort is important. It's it's, it's very important. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to do a 20-kilometer hike in Crocs or flip-flops. It, <laughs> I, I see it all the time, though. You.
0: Oh, you yeah, I know. Have- it's really common. That's kind of why I'm laughing. I'm also laughing at the comments just popped up on the side here. So um, seeing we're on Crocs. Uh, apparently, Jeremy loves your Crocs. He stared at them for up to an hour. Uh, and I have a question for Chris. What are Vibram five-finger shoes? Maybe I am not stylish enough to know what those are, I guess, because I live in work boots, but I have no idea what that is, but I have questions. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I uh, when I used to do the trails at the parks... You'd be like walking in, work boots, chaps on, chainsaw over your shoulder, and you'd see people coming out in like backpacks and flip flops from a 14 kilometer trail, and they're going, Oh, my feet are killing me. And you look down, you're going, Are you surprised? Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyways, to Jeremy's comment, I know he stares at anything that's involved with me for hours, so it's just okay.
0: <laughs> We're not touching that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, anyway, moving on. Um, kind of, yes, no, otherwise, a big one I won't take into the woods, and this is something that, uh, oh, okay, fair enough, Chris, apparently there's shoes that contour to your toes, I think I've seen those, they got, like, the individual toe holes in them, those are just freaky to me, and they offer no ankle support, but aren't they just, like, a rubber glove for your foot?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I personally (laughs) feel that's gimmicky, but... They are advertised as an outdoor type thing, and people running trails and stuff with them. Uh, I, it, it wouldn't be me. Do they uh, offer that,
0: any real protection to the bottoms of your feet? Like, when i seen them, they literally look like a rubber glove that you slide your foot into. So I'm thinking, like, you would feel every little pebble and stuff under your feet. I, I will look them up, Chris, that's for sure. Um, anyway, digressed a little the, bit. <laughs> I have the world's most sensitive...
1: Soles on the bottom of my feet. I feel sand. <laughs> so, uh...
0: Yeah, see, yeah. I, I just... I don't know. They just... Anyway. Um, so a big thing that Ben and I preach... Trying to keep us on topic a little bit. Because I could go on for hours on those shoes now. Um, <laughs> any on-tested gear I have, unless I'm going in knowing to specifically test that gear, I generally won't take with me until I've tested it. Like, when Ben and I went out, I was testing a sleeping bag. But that's because i had already tried it here at home and i knew it was going to be good and we had a backup plan worst case we could jump in the boat and we could go back to the other camp um i won't test any especially in the winter if i haven't tested it it's not coming with me only stick to the stuff that i know works and reliably works and like i said ben and i always preach test your gear and i test mine either in the back w- yard here my sunroom or i just dump hop on the bike and i go into the woods for you know a half hour or so and test it there somewhere where i have an escape route i can test it in a controlled environment before i have to rely on it in an uncontrolled environment and that's just something i wanted to throw out there which is kind of a very big umbrella for a lot of stuff but if it's on tested i try not to take it with me especially if it's a big piece of gear i'm going to be relying on that was something i just want to play with and i have the extra room okay but i wouldn't take um like a sleeping bag i'd never taken out of a box i would not not take that in with me i am very hesitant to take tarps and stuff i haven't at least set up at home uh with me i would not take uh like the sawyer mini i had a backup for that i didn't yeah I didn't know how I was going to feel with it. I didn't know if it was going to break, so I had a way to boil water. Like, it's just I would not take and rely on something I have not tested. And that's kind of a big exclamated one for me.
1: And, and I have a similar note here, uh, mindset, unknown gear. Anyth- I, I agree 100%, and I won't dwell on it. But, yes, if you're, you don't know and trust the gear, don't go on a three-day hike with it and expect to come out on the other side perfectly fine. You may. It may very well happen to you. But that could go very wrong very quickly. Do, do make sure you've tested your gear and you understand your gear. If you don't, it, it doesn't belong in the woods with you. Uh, so I think that's a, a pretty solid from both of us. If you don't know your gear, it doesn't
0: belong in the woods. You said something that really piqued my interest, and I love the quote. And now I just forgot it. Crap. Don't take on tested gear. Don't take Damn, I lost it. Anyway, sorry. It was it was great and now it's gone.
1: Untrusted, un Unknown.
0: Yeah, no, it was a specific word you said I can't think of, but it. it'll come back to me. Anyway, yeah. Don't take on tested on trusted gear.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh I got a bunch of random notes here. Um uh, Here's something. Scented products. Hmm. And I want to group this with a bunch of things. I have makeup and cosmetic and scented products. I, I guess we'll talk a bit about hygiene here. Hygiene mm-hmm. hygienic products. Uh, there are ones that we need to take to keep ourselves clean and healthy. And we kind of mentioned doling that out into an appropriate size things. But as a society now, we're very... Concerned about how we smell and how we look, and especially when you're out in public. But uh, scented products, for instance, can attract mosquitoes and unwanted wildlife. So uh, exactly. you really want to avoid that. So somebody locator?
0: is now. Somebody's texting me on my wife's phone trying to respond, get us on the chat, and I'm just not sure who has her number and not mine. So anyway, I'm not sure who this is, and I don't want to say the number out loud, but um, bought 100% wool at Stanfields and Truro. So if that is you, can you just send a text and let me know who you are, and I'll try and figure out why you can't text on the podcast? What's the number there again, Millie? Awesome, long johns. Go ahead, Ben. I'm just trying to figure out who this is. So we don't have to stop on my account. Okay. No. So all I was
1: really saying is like scented products, it's, uh, things that are are solely for cosmetic or for looks probably could get left home. I want to sort of throw in a caveat there. Lipstick and chapstick kind of fall in a similar category. If you have lip problems, for sure, things no that are somewhat medical advantage um but uh just taking things like you don't need a whole bunch of eyeliners or concealers or anything silly like that in the woods uh you're not there to impress anyone uh oh figure it out me? yeah
0: There's, it's uh a follower i work with at the fire department dave o'connor i must not oh, have okay. his phone in my uh His number in my phone. I had to reset my phone and I lost a lot of my contacts. Anyway, Dave, yeah, 100% wool. It's great to take. Uh, If you can get a set of wool long johns, that would actually be amazing. Apparently he cannot uh, come in on the group chat for one reason or another, but he can get me on the text there. Okay. Ben's lipstick. (laughs) Did I miss something there while I was playing with this? Because Jeremy just asked about your lipstick.
1: I, I said, I was talking about cosmetic stuff. I mean, this, this may be considered towards women, but the reality is we, we live in a, in a different time and age than when I necessarily grew up. And a lot of people are wearing a lot of cosmetic gear and stuff. And I threw in the, sort of the exception to this, uh, things like lip gloss, lip slash lipstick. Some people have lip problems. They may take that. I'm not saying you can't take anything that sort of falls in that category. But you kind of want to avoid things that, A, can potentially cause some health issues. If you can't properly clean some of this stuff off yourself, it can cause problems with long-term exposure. Uh, And scented products can pull in insects and mosquitoes and stuff. Um, Uh,
0: Chris made a comment. Um, So do wipes versus toilet paper. And I have an opinion on this, but what's your thoughts?
1: I love wipes. Uh, I I wouldn't say versus – I I usually take some wipes, and I do have regular toilet paper. Uh, Sort of, I use the wipes to to wipe myself down in the evening. I'll use wipes to make sure I I am thoroughly clean because I think it's really important to be really clean in general, but especially in the woods where you don't have the option of maybe a full shower or bath every night. Uh, I I do take wipes. Uh, Somebody else could argue that a face cloth and a bit of soap does the same job wipes are convenient and quick
0: Uh, and they burn you can burn them at the end of it um and i I, you basically hit all the points i had so i guess my opinion is very much the same as yours i take both uh for basically all the same reasons wipes have a magnitude of uses you can use it just to wipe your hands you can wipe your face Uh, i'm not even going to go as far as dude wipes i literally was stealing them out of lily's baby wipes because basically they're just uh uh Starts with a B, I can't think of the word, but it's basically like a moist towelette. Either way you want to look at it. It's got a, sure. a drying agent in there to some degree. And on your opinion for wipes versus toilet paper, you have to keep uh you have to keep in mind that if you're using that for, you know, wiping yourself after going to the washroom, you still need something to dry yourself afterwards because if you leave moisture, um, let's face it, you got two pieces of skin, so anywhere where your skin touches other parts of skin, if you keep moisture in there, you run the risk of chafing. So just keep that in mind. There is no verses as Ben said, uh but I carry both. I carry a small ziploc baggie with a handful of wipes in it and I carry a small ziploc baggie with a roll of toilet paper or decored toilet paper in it. Uh, yeah. so yeah, there is no verses for me and Ben either. It's it's both and both serve a purpose and multiple purposes.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, 100%. Uh they have a purpose, but I do I do love wet net, uh, wet wipes and I do the same uh Having raised three daughters uh, through potty training, I don't know if we'll ever be without wipes. My wife said to me a few weeks ago, maybe we don't need to buy these anymore. And I laughed and thought that was foolish.
0: <laughs> there are so many uses. That's the thing. And Chris said uh, even the on baby wipes have a small scent to them. And I have to agree. They do have a scent. And that's that drying agent in it. I can't remember what it's called. The dew wipes probably are just water and paper. Um uh, but that what you're smelling is it, it there's a drying agent in that to help assist in the drying because when you're wiping a child or anything like that, same thing. You don't want moisture trapped in any folds of skin. Uh so where we have a little girl, there's kinda you, and yourself there too, Ben, there's a lot of things you have to worry about with that, and that's what the drying agent does in there. Um but yeah, I, I don't mind the scent myself and I don't find it strong enough to be a problem. Uh another one you want to look at if you like wipes is there's a product called One Wipe. And the wipe is supposed to be large enough to wash a full-grown man from head to toe. So that's just something out there, too, if you're looking at actually keeping yourself clean with these. They're not super expensive, either. They might be, like, six, seven bucks a piece. But still, I, I at that point, and Ben had mentioned before, face cloth and soap. Uh, there's a lot of times when I'll still carry a face cloth, even with the wipes and the toilet paper. So, Anyway, sorry. Uh, back to your notes, Ben. What's another one you got pegged on there?
1: So, I have this one here. Uh, I think I'll go to this one next. Uh, there's there's a lot of places I kind of want to go. This this well run long. Uh, glass.
0: Yes. So,
1: here's kind of a, a sort of a a scale. If you were, uh, if I had a choice, take say water in, and that's just an example, but any food product or anything you're taking in. It. Uh, the last choice for me, I know that there's the lock-and-lock lock containers. You can get them actually in three formats. You can get lock-and-lock lock containers that are glass, you can get them that are plastic, and you can get them that are steel. I, I don't know if you've seen the steel ones or not. I've only yes. seen them once. I would take steel or metal almost every time over plastic or glass. I will take plastic over glass. I would be hard-pressed. There are a few exceptions in my kit where I have taken glass, but it's very minimal. Glass has the great potential to break, and then you have absolutely nothing, and it becomes a hazard to yourself. Plastic, you can't really cook in plastic, so it's limited in its use, but it's very durable, and the likelihood of it damaging is pretty low. The metal might dent, but it still shouldn't fail. So that's kind of my scale there. Um, like I said I, I was in Superstore in Yarmouth a while ago, and I came across this, the the metal lock mm-hmm. and lock containers, and I didn't buy any. We just didn't want to spend the time and money at that time. But I'm I'm very fascinated with that as a potential thing to start taking in the woods. Uh, so there there was that. Uh, Don't know if there's much else we need to say about containers.
0: Once again, uh, just adding on to that. Anybody listening out there, and apparently we have twelve people listening. Uh, keep in mind these are our reasons for why we don't take these items. Once again, uh, Ben and I we have conflicting opinions on certain items, and that that's actually okay. Don't think there is a holy grail of what not to take in the woods there is things that we are choosing not to take in the woods and we are giving you the information as to why we don't take in the woods to maybe help you base an opinion on if you want to take something in the woods or not. For anybody that came in late, I have mentioned that several times and I know it's beating a dead horse, but at the same time, it's a very important uh, point. Just realize there is no, this is what you take. This is what you don't take. No.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, So, Fast pass metal the other thing i, I had in here that i kind of wanted to talk on um related to that i guess is uh food products uh i don't want to get too specific
0: but There's one we can get specific on
1: <laughs> well one because of its its side effect and, and and i guess we'll start with that one uh we mentioned the other day bananas uh it's sort of been joking when we first came up with this concept Bananas are well known to attract mosquitoes uh, and potentially black flies, I assume. But definitely mosquitoes.
0: They they attract any bugs, and it's the potassium in them that seeps through your skin. Um, I think I told you the story when we were out camping. I always used to give people bananas down on my old property. Okay, it was you. Anyway, that's why that was, uh, I used to live in a, basically a swamp down in Merigamish. And anybody that would come to visit, they'd always be like, why aren't the mosquitoes bothering? And I'd be like, oh, I'd eat bananas. Here, have a couple bananas. And it'd be great because by the time they left, they would literally be one giant bug bite. So, yeah, I'm a little sick. But uh, if you ever want to have some fun, drag a banana along, especially if you got a rookie going into the woods, and just tell them the reason that they're getting bitten by bugs is because they don't have enough bananas in them. It's it's tons of fun. You will enjoy it. They won't, but you will. Anyway. Sorry, Ben.
1: <laughs> so so this, this kind of brings in, though, there are foods that are not overly appropriate in the woods. And there's there's exceptions and there's ways to get around these things. But it is something to keep in, 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 in thought. Any food that's prone to going bad quickly or easily, if not. Because you're not going to have great refrigeration in the woods. You're not going to have perfect cooking methods in the woods. We're often limited to... Uh, Fire or a single stove. Uh, I don't see a lot of people carrying, say, big propane st- multi-burner stoves. Uh, I don't, I would almost throw propane as a as a not to take. Uh, the smaller fuel canisters are, are one thing, but the uh, sort of like uh, I don't know if you can
0: you can't uh, see can't quite you can see the bottom off it in your camera there, but uh, yeah, propane tends to react worse to cold weather and stuff like that too, right? All right, Chris. Have a good night, buddy.
1: So, stuff stuff along those lines. So, anything that can potentially go bad or or takes an excessive amount of effort to prepare and cook, um, probably could follow that. I, I, when I googled some things, just to kind of get some ideas, someone had suggested chicken. Uh, chicken, salmonella, things like that go hand in hand. Uh, if not, properly treated and stuff. So, Large meals that you expect leftovers from, you're not going to be able to, to treat those. So you take appropriate-sized meals. Uh, you don't take a whole bunch of food. They could all eat this for four or five days. It's just not going to be potentially overly so safe.
0: Unless you're Robin Ben, and then you take a turkey into the woods to deep-fry it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ate most of the turkey. We did. And, we did, and we made a fridge for the rest, to be fair. And this is the thing. We did an overnight,
1: and this is where the exceptions come in. You have to... It's gotta be appropriate to what you're doing. When you take a trip in, anything we say don't take, there are ways around it where that would be acceptable to take. And if that's your plan, if your plan is to go in the woods and deep fry turkey, then that's kind of the plan. Then not taking the turkey would be kind of a pointless task, right?
0: Exactly. And we did um, it. We went in knowing that we had a plan to handle a turkey. It came in. It was only par-thawed. So it stayed yeah. cold until we went to cook it. And then we ate our fill, which was the majority of it. And what was left, we made a fridge and kept in the lake cold.
1: Yes. Um.
0: Yeah, so any foods that you, partic- you would like to particularly mention in this? You know what? I don't bring eggs. Uh, and I know you do. So this is something. Thank and you. The thing is, for me, it's I always worry they're going to go bad before I eat them uh, or I'm going to break the eggs. But a good thing that you had was you pre-crack yours and basically scramble, mix them into a container and take that with you, which actually makes a lot more sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I do, uh, if you can get and this is a trickier one, but it works very well. If you can get eggs that are farm fresh, uh, you know, they have been been scrubbed. Uh, and have never been refrigerated, they're generally good for, I believe, over a week without refrigeration. And, Only and if be- they
0: haven't been pasteurized. That's the thing with eggs. Once they've been pasteurized and put into market, they won't survive with a week on your counter. That has to be a no. fresh chicken egg.
1: So I, I, I don't know the word pasteurized is the right word. Yeah, whatever egg.
0: they do to it. I can't remember what but
1: it is. But the act is when it. Essentially what they're doing is they clean the egg. So for for resale, it's, it's, it's the law here in Canada, so it's going to be tricky. If you're raising your own, own birds, you can kind of get away with it. But they clean it, and th- by cleaning it, they actually take the outer layer of protection off the, the egg, and oxygen can get in, and that starts the deterioration of the egg, and they need to be refrigerated to slow that down. Uh, but if that initial protective layer is, is maintained then I do know you can go well over a week yes uh, without refrigerating the eggs. so if I'm going in the woods for an extended period of time, I do know some people that raise chickens and I have I will ask them can you get me some? Don't bother cleaning them. I'd like them as fresh as you can get them and I will wrap each of them individually to protect them. I'll put them in a protective container. And I'll take them in, and I know that they're not liable to go bad. You go down to the superstore, not picking on superstore or Sobey's, but if you go down to the store and buy one, it's met government regulations. It's all well and proper. They keep it refrigerated because it needs to be, and the expectation is that you will. So
0: yeah. And that's exactly it. Like, I, all, all my eggs come from the store. And you hit the nail right on the head. When they clean them or whatever they do, they remove actually that outer layer of the shell. Because if you touch a fresh chicken eggs, it's actually really hard, well, harder than you would expect one from a store. And a lot smoother than the one you would get at the store. And that's specifically from cleaning them, which makes it porous, as Ben said. Um Just one thing I wanted to touch there, Ben, because I have Dave still texting me here. Uh, his eggs are good for almost three weeks when they're fresh. But one thing I want to say to you, Dave, is when you scroll down, it says, create a channel to join the chat. And this is for anybody out there that's listening. If you're listening and you cannot chat on the chat room here, you don't specifically need to make a channel. Just log in with any Gmail account. Uh, if you have a Gmail account, you automatically have a YouTube account. You don't necessarily have to make a channel linked to that YouTube account to be able to talk in the chat. Just log in with your Gmail and you'll be good. Sorry, go ahead, Ben.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that covers sort of the ag the thing. There are other foods. When you go into the woods, rather than us giving you a, a definitive list of what to and not to take, do your research on any food you take. Take appropriate amounts of food. I, I know me and you are both very guilty of this. We Over take excess. Overindulgence. <laughs> Over uh, it's a really hard thing to really figure out what you're going to need. Uh but you should plan, plan your meals out and plan to take enough food for what, where you're going. And I always say this, take a little bit extra because you never know. You could could get stranded for an extra day or so. Weather turns bad. You just can't cross that lake with the boat you're in. You get out there and the weather, the weather is a big one or even a personal injury. You, you hurt your feet. And you can't walk. So you decide to rest for a day longer than you expect it, and you're in there for a bit of long. It'd be good if you have the food. So always prepare for a little bit extra.
0: Don't prepare for a week extra. Uh, that's and that's what we're it, guilty for. They're, the key word in there is a little bit extra. That's like a day or so extra. Uh, the first time you and I went camping, I don't think I ate a quarter of my food. The second time we went camping, I don't think I touched half my food. And I cut it back because I knew there was a turkey coming.
1: But, see, it was all the fish I caught for you, buddy. The first trip, I got all that fish. You you, you just couldn't get to your food.
0: Yeah, and um, (laughs) the fish was good. But, uh, you know what? I still took way too much. I had... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I had way too much. I even had chocolate bars. That gives you an idea of the unnecessary amount of foods I had. Um,
1: From there, I kind of wanted to talk about this one. This was an interesting one. This is one I think we're both going to kind of disagree with. Uh, But it was something somebody suggested, and I want to throw in there. An item they said you should not take in the woods is an axe.
0: Yeah, see, I'm more of an axe person – I, I understand why they would say you don't need to take an axe. I am going to say it's going to be situationally dependent, uh, to take an axe or not. Me, I, I love to go into the woods with an axe. Uh, but I don't always go in with a saw. But yourself, no. you, all you have a, a silky saw there, which is an amazing saw. We learned that we used it more than we actually used the axe.
1: I'm not silky, agua cannon.
0: Oh, sorry. I thought you had a silky 23. My bad. Uh,
1: bore, oh yeah, agua. Boreal or whatever, 21 inch. Uh, awesome little saw, uh, folding saw. But this kind of wants, is going to, this is going to evolve into this. I kind of agree with the statement on an axe. If you think about it as a full size, you know, like three and a half foot axe, splitting axe, you probably don't need
0: to carry it. No, that but I mean, like, uh, uh
1: that's I have. a 24 a,
0: inch axe. You know what I mean? Like, that's. <laughs> That's about my limit. That That's In my way. limit too. That's just what's comfortable for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, the board back, I think, is around a 21 inch. Uh, that being almost a cleaver. Uh, I have this one here. Uh, mm. little trailblazer one. Uh, special pink handle for when Jerry wants, Jeremy wants to board when I can't put
0: him. Uh, and see, I would even be yeah. inclined to take that. So very similar heads on those, but you have yeah, a better yeah, handle. That's the only thing I don't care they, for they, for this. Yeah.
1: I, I love the swell on this one. It doesn't slip out. It's
0: Yeah. But uh,
1: if you think of it, if you go down to the hardware store and you just buy an axe uh, for splitting wood and for cutting down a big tree in the your backyard, you're not going to necessarily get your your – your face, your sheath, whatever you want to call it, your guard. Uh, with that, if you're taking an axe, it needs to have a guard. It should be small enough to pack away so you're not carrying it in your hands or it's not bouncing around on the outside of your pack in a way that's not overly safe or, or going to hook into things. So you want it to be appropriately sized. Uh, a lot of these statements where people say things like this, I find, are people who who maybe aren't really bushcrafting, they're in the woods and they don't believe in damaging anything that's out there and they just kind of want to in and make no change to the environment and leave. Bushcrafting involves using the materials we find in the woods to our advantage. It's part of what I think bushcrafting
0: is. Yeah, like I, we still carry the mentality of leave no trace. We're not out there to destroy stuff on purpose, but no. we are going to use the materials around us to aid in our time out there. I I will cut the odd sapling
1: because uh, they make really good tent pegs. I will cut dead trees. It's really not hurting the environment. Ninety percent of it's going to hit the ground in a few hours or days, anyways. I'm just speeding that process up and I'm going to use that to keep myself warm and dry and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I find a good little hatchet or axe is better at splitting wood than trying to baton a knife uh, through wood. I,
0: I'm, yeah, I'm not a big fan of batoning to be honest. No, neither. That's why I, I take an axe.
1: Now, when I was hot tank camping the other weekend, I did baton a bit of wood. I was in in my tent in jeremy's tent depending how you want to look at it i was in a tent and rather than trying to swing an axe in a very small space it seemed to make a bit more sense and i'd already split a lot of the wood down quite a bit doing the finishing bit i used my little moira knife and a stick and i and i i fine-tuned some of my wood
0: and that's the thing the uh, has a place but it's not my go-to
1: no uh you're not going to reasonably put on a six-inch diameter piece of wood with a knife. Or no, if No, not
0: easily, anyway.
1: If you are, it's probably a fairly big, heavy knife, and you're really not doing a huge weight savings over Well, you're not over this little hatchet, I guarantee you. No. This doesn't weigh much more than an average knife. It really doesn't. Uh, so, and that little one you got it's actually
0: probably same weight wise because that actually is a little heavy for its size yeah so but anyway yeah i I, I, i'm not i don't know that's that's going to be opinionative if you don't want to take an axe or not i tend to agree with you ben it's probably somebody that is very don't use anything you don't have to in bushcraft we don't go out to destroy the environment we're in but we use the environment around us to assist in what we're doing out there so as ben said we may take the odd sapling, but we'll be selective about it. We're not going to go and clear-cut a forest of saplings to do something. We're going to take one oh. that probably needs to be thinned out anyway, and that is something that we look at. When we were at our last camp there, uh, some of the trees we took down were already under other foliage, and they were starting to die anyway. Yeah. I cleaned one out there to put my hammock up, and that was exactly what it was. I looked at it, I'm like, that's going to be dead in a year anyway, so I took it down.
1: Yeah. If I see 14 little alders growing out of one little pot patch, I don't mind taking one out of it. It's really not hurting. It's probably helping it, honestly. Um, Because the rest of them are just going to grow a little bit better. And if you go through a couple of weeks with something like an alder, really it's grown back, honestly. pretty much. Uh, But what I do want to say, sort of on that topic, any tool you take, if you cannot make it safe, should not be taken. And a good example is this is take a Bosa. My my Agua Cannon folds up. The blade's completely contained with inside of itself. So when it's being transported, there's no risk of someone accidentally grabbing that blade or that blade chafing into gear and causing damage. It's very secure and safe. When I carry an axe, if it doesn't have a case, if you watch the show alone, there's at least two guys that got sent home because they were walking around with an unsecured blade. Yep. uh Any tool that cannot be made safe when it's not being used probably should not be taken into the woods. With Do not take an open blade in the woods. Do not take something sharp that you can't cap off. Uh, fishing hooks, a really good example. You got a whole
0: bunch of loose fishing hooks. And just to say on that, you don't need a fancy case at the most. No. That is a piece of um, rubber hose. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't remember if it's hydraulic line or if it's uh, power steering line or something like that. But anyway, it just covers the blade, so it makes it safe. Eventually, I am going to get Jamie Harris, amazing leatherwork guy, to maybe make uh, something for that. Or I might hit up some of the other guys there. But, I mean, it just has to be safe, like Ben said. So, if I take that off, I now have two points plus a bladed edge that could potentially screw up my gear or me.
1: Yeah, and that will ruin your trip. Uh, folding knives the blades can be put away a fixed blade knife should have at least a sheath or some way to secure the blade I, I was talking about fishing hooks if you've reached into a bag with a whole bunch of loose fishing hooks you're just begging for pain and, and issues uh, if I'm carrying a fishing rod around I usually hook the hook into uh, into the rod in such a way that you can't hit it with your hand or I'll put something over the top of that hook so that it's secure and you're not going to accidentally hook yourself into
0: it. Secret wine corks. Everybody wine cork. knows somebody that has a wine cork. You can cut those down into little discs and they're great for sticking hooks in or making hooks safe.
1: Actually, just even a small piece of like that green sapling that I talked mm-hmm. about, just a, just an inch piece or a quarter inch piece, or whatever, just enough to cover that blade. Stick it in there. When you get to the other side, flick it off. Who cares if you lose it? It's not a big deal. It's something to make sure that sharp point isn't freely uh, accessible. Uh, Yeah, so we've covered a lot of specifics, I think. The big thing is, really, don't take gear you don't need. Don't take gear that's potentially not safe, dangerous, dangerous. Or, or just in general, unknown. If you don't know if it works and you don't know if it's going to do you any good, you can very well be dragging it out there for no reason.
0: Uh, I remember what it was you said that I liked because it just came back to uh, me. Make sure you understand your gear because that incorporates a lot of stuff in there. Don't just know what the gear is. Know what it is, what it can do, what you can do with it, and how it's going to help you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess just to sort of clarify that if you get yourself a tarp it's a simple piece of gear we may all think if you're not familiar with that tarp you don't know what the tie points are like whatever you get out there; it could take you hours to figure out a good layout for that because it doesn't have the tie points you wanted or it doesn't have the string or or options that you want Uh
0: Yeah, You're distracting. No, no, no sorry. Uh, my wife just came in and handed me something, that's all. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I was still listening.
1: So, yeah.
0: If you go out there with this piece of
1: gear that you don't really understand and haven't used before, you may not be able to do what you thought it could do. It may be too small, wrong shape, wrong size, wrong whatever. Uh, or it may turn out that you needed something you didn't bring. Um, so, yeah, we've covered that. Um, the only kind of thing, we talked about large quantities, small quantities, food. Uh I want to throw this out there. I think this is an interesting one, and it falls back to some of our other topics. Gimmicky items.
0: Hmm.
1: For me, these little different types of toggles and ways to tie, tie knots without actually tying knots by wrapping around this piece and pushing it through this crease and... All that. It's not for me. It, it, it is for some people. Some people really struggle with knots and stuff. I feel that knowing how to tie a string and how, how to do it in different ways is, is kind of important.
0: I can't even get it out of the bag, so that's how good it works for me. Oh, you have one? <laughs> yeah, I have one sitting on my desk because I was going to bring up the same thing. Awesome. I still can't get it out of the bag. Man. <laughs> there we go. Okay, we're good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they make those way bigger too, right? Yeah, like that's that a-
0: just happened to be one I had somebody gave me and was like, oh, this is great for tying stuff off and I'm looking at it, and it has the instructions on it and they read, like, uh, space shuttle instructions and I, like, it's awesome, little doodad. I probably would never take it with me because I could just tie knots, like you said.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so, so for me... A lot of the gimmicky items, there's a ton, ton of them out there to come out. Uh, but once you get a product and you've played with it and you're a bit more knowledgeable with it, it may no longer be a gimmicky item to you. It may be an item that you, you, you know and love because it's quicker and easier, and now you've trusted it. So if you've gone through the steps of knowing and using and testing it, it's no longer for you a gimmicky item. It may still be for me and Robert. It could maybe for millions of others but it's not for us. Uh, Is Jeremy still following
0: us? He is. He just said, great talk, guys. I'm out testing just a single top quilt. I'm going to let my stove die out overnight. Uh, Test it before trusting it.
1: So me and him have had a a bit of a joke. uh, The last time I camped, he actually threatened to throw away my Bic lighter. So that that one that he, he sort of doesn't believe in, and I just wanted to throw that out there. To him, the Bic Lighter is a gimmicky item that you don't really need. He he loves his fire steel, his, his flint and steel. He's got various methods. Uh, he thinks, and I don't disagree with him in the least on this, things that challenge your skill level. Uh, Robert, you're you're much more the fire guy than I am. Uh, but I think you also still occasionally still carry the Bic Lighter.
0: Uh, yeah, I... A big thing that got me into bushcraft for what it is was methods of fire making. Um, I got into the bushcrafting thing, a little story time here. I got into bushcrafting between my grandfather and father take me into the woods. I was raised in the woods, uh, between logging camps, harvesting, uh, fir trees, things like that. And there was always neat little things they did. But yeah, I, I'm more experienced than a lot of people would be in, alternative fire making methods and i always still carry uh, some sort of guaranteed fire method be it uh bic lighter storm lighter matches something like that it's not my go-to 90 percent of the time but if things go bad i always like that backup
1: um yeah i carry one as a backup i carry a lot of extra backups for that because i think fire is fairly essential uh it isn't my go-to necessarily, but I do like to know it's there in case I need it. Um,
0: Prime um, example, you and I were out camping last time. We were using bow drill. We had yeah. embers going two or three times, but everything yes. still kind of had a dampness to it, and we could not get that bird's nest to catch on fire. And granted, we probably could have processed it down a little better. We did hurry it a little bit. Um but still, like two embers later, good embers, we didn't have a fire going. We ended up using a fire steel, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, that's the prime example. Like if we, I had solely relied on the bow drill, we would have been really cold that night. Or at least not as comfortable.
1: Yeah, uh, fire steel is a pretty reliable method. Uh, in fact, it has a few advantages over the lighter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In its, uh, If it gets wet, it still generally will start a fire quite well. A lighter... I have gotten wet lighters to light. You still can get a spark of a wet lighter. The gas still comes out of them. Uh, but yeah, it, it does make it much more difficult. And if you're wet and cold, you may not even have the dexterity operate, operate that lighter anymore. So there's, there is limitations to it. It's just another method that I have in my pack. I try to keep a few things in there, uh, dry tinder stuff in my pack. Um, but that's just an example of something that somebody else that watches us, that, that we follow, uh, tends to not use, doesn't think there's a huge need for it in the woods.
0: And I uh, understand his thought process behind it. Don't get me wrong.
1: But over, overall, to, to summarize, I guess, uh, take the gear that you know you're going to use. Take the gear that you know works. And take, make sure that the gear you're taking is safe and usable. Uh, I think if, if you follow those rules, if you think about what you're going to do and you plan things out with what you know and you're comfortable with, you're not going to take stuff that you don't need. You're not going to have the need to know, I shouldn't take this because someone suggested I don't. You're going to naturally eliminate those things. You want to keep your gear list. Short and simple. Uh, We all tend to fall under the same category, I think, of taking too much stuff. Mm -hmm. I've yet to have a trip where I said, gee, I wish I'd taken more stuff.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I can't think of one. So that the last point I would add on yours is don't be greedy. Don't take what you don't need.
1: Yeah, and and that's a constant struggle. It's a hard thing. I think we all struggle with it. Uh, Some people, more experienced people, maybe have, Gotten it down to a bit of a science. Uh, the day will come, I'm sure, where I will say I I, I take exactly what I need, uh, except for my first aid kit. I always take more than I, I ever plan on using.
0: Well, that's the thing. You never know. You never want to use your first aid kit, and you never know when you're going to need it. So no.
1: But everything else you take pretty well should have a plan. I I'm going to do this. I'm going to have that. This is my contingency. Uh, if this doesn't isn't quite enough, or if the temperature drops, I may I take the hand warmers. That kind of falls in my first aid kit concept. Uh, I've taken the hand warmers that I've tossed in my sleeping bag. Or if I know it's gonna get colder and my setup is rated for that may be what I'm using to boost it. I don't take 500 of them when I was only going for two nights and I know one's going to do a night. Uh.
0: Now red bear tactical just said something that is a very popular quote. And depending on the item, I agree two is one, one is none. So any of your important items, uh, be it the five S's five C's, whatever you want to call it. I agree with that for that. Uh, yeah. but you can take that and go too far and get into the greedy aspect of it too. Like, um, as we talked about a little earlier in the show, excess in clothes, excess in food, things you may overpack that adds an incredible amount of bulk and weight that you just don't actually need.
1: Yeah, well, we talked about clothes as in having one spare set in case one gets wet. That is exactly that statement. Exactly, you know? but you don't
0: need five sets.
1: <laughs> no, you have the set that's on you, and you have a spare set. So, you, you know, one is none, two is one. There is your your one. You have one set of clothing to wear. There, there are your two. Uh, a knife. I, I I don't know if I've ever been without a knife on me, uh, except maybe if I have to fly, and then it's painful. Uh,
0: that's the minimum I always have with me, and that's even yeah. where I work, and you know where I work. So
1: well, and and me too. I, I work in an airport, like. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I carry a pocket knife. Uh, this is one on me. I'm surrounded with sharp and, and deadly items in my, in my, uh, my camping area. But yeah, I always have, you know, a sharp object. I have a way of processing say, my wood, cutting my rope and all that. I always have a little bit extra rope in case my setup needs it for whatever reason or something breaks. Yeah, uh, there are. And I think that's where we talked even about food. Take a little bit extra, a little more than you expect. You have some leeway. You don't need to take twice or four or five times what you expect to use. Have some have some wiggle room. But uh, have a plan for all the types of gear you're taking, and you should be more or less solid. Uh, past that, I guess we're starting to. Beat a dead horse, really. Yeah,
0: we're up to an hour and 20 minutes, and we're starting to circle around to ourselves. So why don't we, uh, let's put a pin in this one. And, but we knew it was going to be long coming into it. We even said that before we fired up the show. It's going to be a longer show because there is a lot of explanation required behind our what we're talking about. So for next week, Ben, uh, why don't we flip and go the other way? Why don't we talk a little bit about EDC, everyday carry, things that we're generally always with because we just started talking about it a little bit there and i don't mean like the um what would it be called the gray man's edc like for urban edc like literally just what we always have on us anytime and why we think we would and i pointed to my bracelet like literally i always keep that with me because you never know when you need a piece of rope always have a knife i'm not going to go too far into it because that'll ruin next week but why don't we talk about something along those lines what do you think about that what do you guys think about that I know we still have a couple with us. Jeremy's still there, but um, anyway, yeah, that I, I think that's a good spot to end for tonight. Uh, not that we won't come back to this topic maybe in the future if you guys have enough interest in it out there and shoot us some comments and stuff like that. So as always, you can get us on Twitter, which is um, I don't want to say Ben's thing, but it's kind of Ben's thing because he is he's doing the Twitter thing. I'm attempting the Instagram thing. We both share the email thing and the, the uh, Facebook thing and the YouTube thing and the website thing. So, yeah, get us on any of those things and give us our comments. What do you guys not take into the woods just because you don't want to? What What's your reasoning behind it? Let us know. Maybe we'll come back to this and we'll chat about it again if we get got enough interest because it is a good topic, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's what I really want to hear. I want to hear, hear, hear anyone that's listening or watching. I'd love to hear what do you think shouldn't be in the woods, uh and I think this re- can lead to some great discussions, um, and and I'd love to continue it. But for now, yeah, uh, get out there, have some fun, enjoy enjoy the outdoors. Uh, winter's coming. That doesn't mean we don't need to be out there. In fact, it is some of the best time to get out there. Uh, I still think personally fall is the best, but winter is awesome in its own right. So get out there. Let's hear how, how you guys are doing and I look forward to hearing from you guys next week.
0: Oh, one thing we didn't talk about that we might as well hit now because Red Bear just said it was electronics. We never mentioned the cell phone.
1: No, uh, and I think that's going to fall under everyday carry for me. Okay, let's leave it for
0: next week then. All right. Ben said all right. it all. Have a good night, guys.
1: Hey. Right.